Okay, who are the disciples? We're talking about James, who's one of the sons of thunder. Now, tonight's going to be a little bit different because um, there's some things about James that we need to get. There's some perspectives that we need to understand. So um, just kind of follow along. I'll take my time. Uh, but follow along and understand we're, there'll be a moment where we kind of switch gears just a little bit to help us get a better understanding. So uh, j- we talked about James last week, and this week we're going to spend some time with James's flaws. Actually, John had the same flaws, but this is our teaching is going to break off from this just for a little bit tonight. But in Mark chapter 10, go ahead and go there. Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 37. Can everyone see that? Pretty good. (laughs) Jimmy, I'm sorry, man. Golly. He's a member now. Yep. I tell you what, it didn't take him long to start acting like one, did it? He does. Man, I tell you what, I... I do have to watch what I say, don't I? (laughs) Golly. Man, I don't even have one to come back on that one. I am. Well, it happens. It happens every once in a while. Okay, so Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. Hey. Um, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant that we may sit, one on your right hand and one on your left hand in glory. So that's a pretty bold question, isn't it? That's a pretty bold, you know, God, I want you to forget. Now keep in mind, there's a lot of flaws in this request. First off, James and John are thinking about themselves. God, forget about everyone else and give us the preferred place. Forget about everyone else and give us the preferred place. Now, is it for the glory of God that they want it or is it for them that they want it? Because we know in other verses, mom asked for them, right? Mom asked, hey, can, can can one of my sons sit at your right and on your left? And there's some things that we have to get, we, we misunderstand from this flaw, and I'm, we're going to spend a lot of time as I go through this scripture, and I'll explain it to you. But, so kind of hold that scripture, hold that thought, okay? Remember the question, what do you want for me to do, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant that we may sit one on your right hand and one on your left in your glory. So just remember that statement. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. You are able to uh, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? They said to him, we are able. Now, Jesus is already telling them you're you're out of line by what you're asking. Then he's telling then they're going to tell him, no, we're able. Okay, but look at this. Look at this. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink and you shall be baptized with the baptized baptism with 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 which I am baptized. But to sit on my right, right or on my left, this is not for me to give, but it is prepared for those for whom it has been. It, but it is for those who for whom it has been prepared. Sorry. 
It is for those for whom it has been prepared. What's going to happen to the right and to the left? Goats and sheep. So Jesus had to bring some clarity in first, okay? James and John didn't know what they were asking because they're asking to be on the right and be on the left. Well, who's going to be on the right? Who's going to be on the right? The saved and the sheep. And who's going to be on the left? The goats, the ones that are going to be cast away, the ones that are going to depart, be told to depart. And understand what's going on here. Look at verse 38. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. You do not know what you're asking. Now, we're going to dig a little deeper here. The results, first off, this action is seen as how? This action is seen as how? In Mark 10, 41 through 45, hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. So what happened? What happened? James and John set off a firestorm within the disciples. James and John set off a firestorm within the disciples. What did they say? Calling them to himself, uh, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Jesus is having to change the mindset. James and John, this, this scripture is telling you that James and John were looking to be elevated by Christ and above others. That's what he's, he's there. They were looking to be elevated by Christ and above others. But Jesus is telling them, look at verse 30, 43. But it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. So Jesus has got to, he's got to reprogram their thoughts. He's got to reprogram their mind and understand the discipling, the discipleship part of their, their work. And they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Look at verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus didn't ask God, can I sit at your right or at your left? Jesus said what? God, I'll go and I'll do and I'll serve. See, that's the whole point of the discipleship. James and John's question really set off, first off, it made the disciples jealous, okay? It fueled jealousy and anger and indignation within a group of men that are going to have to work together, right? It's no different than if I had a teacher's pet or a pastor's pet in the church. I know some people may think that, but I don't have one, and it's definitely not going to be Jimmy right now. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Miss Faith thinks it's her, and I treat her like fresh garbage every time I get a chance. And one reason I say fresh garbage because fresh garbage really stinks. Old garbage, the, the funk is starting to go away, right? But no, but when you think you have, you know, if somebody thinks, well, the pastor favors this one, the pastor favors that one, what do they think? <laughs> what do they think? Uh, yeah, exactly. I got love, and then on top of that, all of us are servants. And so, guess what? I got I got to understand each individual gift, right? I got to understand each individual gift. If I need some Old Testament training, we're going to Mike Junior, Mike Senior. We're going, and we're going to Kent Wiggins. If I need some Old Testament training, right? That's where I'm going. Okay, 
All right. You need to know how, know how to eat frosting? Guess where I'm going? Christie's. Christie's got frosting. Oh, we've got it all snapped up. I won't get no more. Okay. I won't get no more Reese cups. Thank you. If I need to know something about garbage, there's my man. <laughs> no, I won't go point to you, Miss Faye. I'm sorry. Chris, Chris Fincher, if I need to know something about it, I, there's my man. It stinks, exactly. People throw it away, don't they? Okay? It, uh, hey, amen, I'm one. Yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> But understand, what James and John are, are asking, they didn't understand the result. Of, they were so out of bounds. They were so far away from God, even in their request, they had no idea of the repercussions of what they were asking. Okay? So here's the flaw. Why, why ask? It's like Lydia asking, Dad, can I be your favorite child? You know, and I, there's a running gag in our, ju- in our house now that they, she is my favorite, okay? Even though she isn't now because somebody else gave us a gift for our anniversary and she didn't. But anyway, so, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, well, after you keep the dog, you'll become the favorite again. Okay, but, you know, but understand what that would have done if, if my children really believed that. How would they feel? You know, how would they feel? So, let's keep. <laughs> okay, Susan needs prayer. Let me remind you of some things. The purpose of a calling. We talked about this earlier when we first started. Romans chapter 11, verses 25 through 29. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. This is the problem that that the disciples have. That a partial hardening has has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Now, keep this in mind in this scripture. The the purpose of the disciples, Jesus is about to send these 12 out, uh, 11 of them, out. Um, for the purpose that we got work to do because we're setting aside, there's an element in Israel that's going to be set aside so we can get these Gentiles in. See, the disciples in their early days didn't have a clue that was about to happen. They had no idea what they were about to be asked to do. No, they couldn't fathom. Wait a minute, you're going to cast out some of the Jews so we can let the Gentiles in? He had to understand it. Peter had to get that. Peter didn't really get it until Acts chapter 10 when he went and preached to Cornelius. Remember? Okay, he didn't really get it until then. But so Paul is writing this and look at verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved just as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Now, that's a very, very, very bold statement. In other words, God is making them enemy. He's making the most dearest possession that he has an enemy of him for us. And the disciples need to understand that because God is making his own people an enemy so that he can save us. Should really put in perspective what a disciple is, what you are, how you should work, how you should be and so on. Now, look at verse twenty nine. For the gifts of God, uh, gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, he can never take it back. He saves you. He's going to always save you. When he, and, and, and keep in mind, he hardened the heart of Israel. He didn't say he wasn't going to save them. He's just making, he's just, he's, he's pushed the pause button on Israel. 
okay? He pushed the pause button on them for us to work it so disciples of God, of Christ, can go in and continue on in the mission, okay? So this is part of our purpose. The next part of our uh, purpose of our calling, the end purpose of the call is to achieve the will of God. This is what James and John didn't understand. When James made that request, can I sit at your right and at your left when, we get in, when you get into your glory, Jesus is telling them, it has, your calling has nothing to do with where you sit in heaven. Absolutely nothing to do where you sit in heaven. The purpose, the end purpose of the call is to achieve the will of God. You may not be the best at what God has called you to do. You may not receive the praise that others receive from your calling. Being the best and getting recognitions are distractions and will distort the understanding and intention of the calling God has given you. The final purpose of the calling is clear. Make sure you understand your understanding of that calling is equally clear. Get this. It's not about where you're going to end. Look, we're going to end up in heaven. And I don't think there's a person here that's going to complain about their seat in heaven. Oh, God, I don't want to sit over here. We ain't going to worry about the thermostats. We ain't going to worry about none of that stuff, okay? Ain't nobody, who's going to complain when they get to heaven? Raise your hand. We got to talk. No one is. So that means you got to do the work here to make sure everybody gets there. That's the purpose of the calling. You, you weren't saved just to go to heaven. That's a great benefit. But I'm sitting there looking at Kent Wiggins right now. Okay? We, am I going to have to separate you three? Oh. <laughs> My goodness. You guys are rare form tonight. But I look at Kent Wiggins. I'm looking at him right now. And he talks about, he often tells me about how far God has, what God has done for him, how far he's brought him from this, from what he used to be to where he is now. And I think about the same thing. And that, that passion that, that, that is so overpowering that he has no choice. And I, I use him a lot as an example, but he has no choice but to continue on on the path that he's on because of his gratefulness for God. So he has to live as a disciple. He has to understand the calling. That it has to achieve the will of God. And he ain't trying to get a seat at the right or left hand of God. He ain't trying to get that. You know, some of us are just going to get in. Well, never mind. I want to read you an email. I want to read you an email. And it's very interesting. And it is. Don't you hate it when your phone but this is, this is important. Normally I don't have my phone here, but lately I have. And there's an interesting email I got concerning the Southern Baptist Convention this week. And um, when I got this email, I thought, man, that is great. That is awesome. And I want to read it to you. Because it says some things. Well, I may not be able to pull it up. I have to read it later because I can't find it now. But what it talks about is what we should be praying for as an association, as the ministers of uh, Southern Baptists. And it's not even about being Baptist. It's about, and this guy wrote a beautiful article. He said, it's no he said the church doesn't need any more high-powered, eloquent speakers. We don't need any more doctors and philosophers and all this other stuff. We don't need any more of that. He said, because... There's, there's those preachers that never get recognized, that work day in and day out, and they pastor a 20-minute church, and they have the same purpose, the same mission, 
as the guy that, that writes. There's no book deal for them. There's no TV show for them or anything like that. And they'll never get acknowledged for any of that. Yet they continue on in the mission. And they'll get acknowledged by God. And that's what you have to understand about your calling and about your purpose. And that's what James needed to understand about. And I paraphrase that email. But that's what James needed to understand about when they made that request of God. Can I sit on your right and you're on your left? It's like it's not about where you're going to sit, guys. So with that said, remember the scripture I told you to remember? Remember what I told you to remember? What, what scripture? Mark chapter 10, verse. Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through 37. OK. So what is a disciple? I'm going to remind you because, see, James had to be reminded of it again. First off, the power, the, the a disciple has the power to work as a disciple is given by the Lord. In Isaiah 50 and 4, the scripture reads, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the disciple, of disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me, my, he awakens me my morning by morning. He awakens me morning by morning, sorry. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. So, They have the power to and they're given the power by God to do God's work. They understand God gets them up and he gets them up every day and he gets them up for the purpose of being a disciple. That's what he understands. Okay, so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 43. Take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 43. What happened? What are you doing? Now I'm talking to the guy back there. Hey, you took off my, uh, took off my, I didn't want them all up there at one time. How come my animation's not working? Okay, go to Isaiah 43. And we're going to find out something. A disciple understands the power of the Lord. This is something James had to be reminded of. So they have the power to understand redemption, what to tell others, and God's power to overcome. And Isaiah 43 Starting in the first verse, this is why I want you to remember Mark chapter 10. Redemption. Isaiah 43. But now, this is the first verse. Thus says the Lord your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Verse two. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers. They will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place, since you are precious in my sight. Since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place. Now, this is what we just read, okay? I understand. We're going to stop right there for a minute. This is the redeeming power of God, and this is what James needed to understand. Instead of making the request about, can I sit on your right or on your left? First First off, you need to understand your work. Your work is the work of Christ, and the work of Christ, the only purpose. What was the purpose for Christ to come? So that we may what? We may be redeemed. We may be brought into his kingdom. That was his purpose. Now, 
He doesn't have to keep doing that. He did it one time, and that redemption is good for all time, both forward and in reverse. It covers everybody. That redemption covers everyone, okay? And while God, all God needed was people out there to tell others about the redemption. That's where the disciples come in. James is worried about whether he's going to sit on the right or on the left, or he wants a seat up there. And Jesus is saying, you don't know what you're asking. Here is the purpose right now. It's service. It's servanthood. It is being my disciple and carrying my message. My message is what? Well, look at verse 5. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offering, offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and say to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. God is saying real simple. I am putting a brand, a name on every one of my children, and they're going to be mine. But the only way they're going to be mine is if you go and tell them that they're mine and tell them what they have to do to be mine. See, I'm marked, not with the mark of the beast, not on my forehead or on my hand, nothing like that. But I'm marked to the enemy. I'm identified as who? A child of God. A child of God, that means, guess what? Even though the enemy wants to attack, he knows in the long run, hands off. Because I am created for God. And by, see, this is what the disciples had to get. This is what we have to get. This is James' struggle. James is thinking he's hanging out with Jesus. And when Jesus goes, hey, it's going hey, to be me and John and J Jesus and 10 other guys. That's it. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's huge. It's real big. It's very big, isn't it? It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's not just you. It, uh, heaven is not just for me and mine, right? It's not. So when we look at it, we, we, when, we, when we become a disciple, a disciple understands the power of the Lord, the power to understand what? Redemption first. All of us can be redeemed. All of us can be redeemed. Will all of us be redeemed? No, but all of us can be redeemed, okay? We can. We can be redeemed. No, we're not. There's people that had their opportunity that didn't take it, and they're dead, and they're in hell. And then at the end of the time, at the end of time, when time stops, guess what? They're going in the lake of fire with everybody else that didn't know Jesus Christ. They had their time, the redemption was offered, and they rejected it. Get that. Now, as a disciple, you have the power to teach that and explain that. Anybody who can't, is there anyone here that can't tell some, a lost person that they're, not, that they're going to hell? Who can't tell them that? Is there anyone here that feels like you can't tell someone that? Seriously. Because if you can't, we need to talk and get you to that point where you can because you're a disciple. James is a disciple, and his, his, proce his process, his mind is working along the fact that I need this from God and I want this from God because they say in that scripture, Go back to Mark chapter 10, verse 35. I want somebody to read it. Go back to Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Whoever gets there first, let it rip. 
stop. We want you. We want you to do something. Whoa. Wrong question. We want you. Now finish it. We want you what? Wow. That's a bunch. We want for you to do for us, James and John. Huh? Now, what do you think James and John wanted? Well, they wanted a seat by, you know, left and right. They wanted to be up there, and they, they wanted to be acknowledged, too. You know, and their mama wanted them acknowledged, okay? Be no different than if my mom, before y'all voted me in, came down and said, y'all really need to put my baby in down here. He's a good man. Yeah, that would have been a problem. Y'all ran her out and me out. No, you take his resume, make a paper airplane out of it, set it on fire, and throw it. Get him away from here. So, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Mama come and ask, and it, whoa, you don't even know what you're asking, James, because guess what? That ain't even why you, that's not why you're with me right now. That's not why you're in this church right now. You're in this church for a purpose, and that's to understand. That's to understand. We together? Okay. Now, you got some, Mike, you want to spit something out? You got some. <laughs> Woo. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he was the forerunner of Christ and baptized Jesus and everything. If any, you know, James ain't baptized nobody. And see, get, see, that's a very good point. Now, Kent, you brought up a solid point, and it's kind of touchy. Listen to all the teaching that they sat under, and yet they still struggle with that. Listen to all your teaching that you sit under. Peter had the same problem. They all, you know, they all, like they had a learning disability or something. Kind of like us, right? Yeah, he's a fisherman. That's it. Mike can tell you. Fisherman, you know, and catch it or snakes. Look, yeah, look what I got. Take a picture. <laughs> but look, get it. Look, look what it, you see. Now, Jesus is breaking it down and saying, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. Now, so as a disciple, you have a, the power to understand what redemption is and who God is. Now, look at now. Now, the Isaiah 43, 8 through 13 says we have the power to understand what to tell others. Look at verse 8. Bring out the people who are blind, even, even though they have eyes. Now get this. Bring out the ones that are blind. They can see. They can see from here to there. But they're blind. To what? Just like the, just like the song this morning, okay? Ask the blind man. He saw it all. That blind man wasn't blind, was he? But he saw everything, didn't he? Right? Okay. I've had plenty of opportunities to pick on Jimmy right now since he opened it up, but I ain't going to do it. I must. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This man preaches the word of God, y'all, I'm telling you, 
Okay, so so understand that you'll get your opportunity to hear that too. Okay, then I'm gonna let him take your shots at you. I ain't gonna be here. I'm gonna be gone. I'm gonna let him take your shots at you. But get this: bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes, and the deaf, even though they have ears. All the nations have gathered together so that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them can declare this and proclaim to us the former things? Let them present their witnesses that they may be justified. You see, you have to understand, you have the power to tell others as a disciple. It automatically puts you into a witness format. And the witness has one purpose, to tell what he knows. That's it. That's why you're a witness, to tell what you know. Okay? And what do you know? You're sitting in the court of law right now. If you were being convicted for being a Christian... Get this, if you were being, you, you were being put on trial for being a Christian, and they said, describe to me what makes you a Christian, what could you tell them? What? I want an answer from somebody in this group. Witnessing starts right now. Somebody tell me what you could tell them about, about what makes you a Christian. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Guilty! Guilty. Guilty. Okay, get it? This is what Jesus is telling, trying to tell James and John and all the rest of the gang. It ain't about this. Y'all got to get it. Okay, and, and let's keep reading the scripture. Let's keep reading. We got to go to verse 13 here. You are my, look at verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Mm. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. Now understand, in your Bible, witnesses is not capitalized. That means he's not talking to deity. He's talking to you. Servant is not capitalized. He's not talking to deity. He's talking to you. He's not talking to Jesus here. He's talking to the witnesses. Now look at this. So that you may know and believe me. And understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. See, this is the other thing. Now, God is breaking down the power of what to tell others. In your witnessing, you're able to speak the truth more than even just Jesus died for my sins, but you're able to testify concerning who God is. You're able to testify concerning him. There's only one. There is no other. Well, I worship Buddha. He's not a God. He's not God. He is a God that you've made, but he is not God. Well, I worship yoga. That is not God. Well, I worship the sun. That is not God. See, that's what a disciple has to prepare. You see, and that's why the disciples didn't get it until the Holy Spirit hit them. Because then, guess what? What nobody asking to sit at the right or left hand after the Holy Spirit hit them? They stopped asking that kind of nonsense, didn't they? Now, how many of you have the Holy Spirit of God on you right now? Then quit asking for nonsense. And get it right with God. Did I just punch someone in the face? Tell me. Okay. See, look, 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 look. Well, I, my work is my God. That's not God. That's not even a form of God. That's something you created. Let me give you the definition of God. He is. 
everything. He's existence from beginning to end, from can to can't. He's, he's God. Okay? He says, there's none before me, and there ain't going to be one after me, because there ain't but one God. You can make up all of your other gods, but there ain't but one. So you have the power. Hey, hey, look, 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 it gets even better. Look at verse 11. This is where I love it when God describes himself like this. He says, I, even I, look at this. I, even I am the Lord. <laughs> Don't you love it? I, I'm God just, I'm God. I, I even I am the Lord. <laughs> oh, man, look at that. He's impressed by his own self. And he ought to be. Look at what he's done. Look at what he's done. Now look at this. Keep reading. I, even I, am the Lord. And then he sees, and there is no Savior besides me. See, God has every right to have confidence in himself because he's God. Your power of positive thinking and thinking well about yourself and well-being. I go through all that garbage at work. Well-being, think positive, meditate, hmm, do all that garbage. Let me tell you something. I don't need none of that when I got God. I don't need to think well of myself. I need to know what God thinks of me. So guess what I need to be? Humble and lowly. Well, you need to, you need to get up and, and get. No, I don't. I need to be dirt. I need to be broken. Yeah, I need to be humble. Because when you're already down and on your face, you, when, you, when it comes time to fall, you ain't got far to go. Huh? Would you rather fall from up there? Or would you rather trip when you're on the ground? Everybody hollering, John fussing at me because I don't want to get on no airplane and all that other stuff. Let me tell you something. It's going to hurt a lot less falling out the car door than it will falling out from 33,000 feet. I'm telling you, huh? It's to stop. Here's the whole thing. I don't want to stop. I'm telling you, if I ever fall from that high, I will choke myself to death before I hit the ground. <laughs> They're gonna, it's going to be like one of them episodes of Monk. They're going to find me laying on the ground with my hands around my neck. What happened to him? He choked to death. He didn't, that impact didn't kill him. He was dead well before he hit the ground. I don't want to feel that. I don't. So there you go. Anyway, you <laughs> they, they, they can't. I can't help it. Look at verse 12. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed. And there was no strange God among you. So you are my witnesses, declare the Lord, and I am God. See, this is what we need to tell. So, yes, good. Tell him that he saved you from your sins. But you need to tell him how he's God. And we need to tell him how, listen, let me tell you something. We had a service this morning where folks got to singing and folks got to shouting and folks got to standing up. I mean, I mean, there was folks that looked like the tin man standing up there. I watched Wizard of Oz the other day. You know, he's standing out there like thug. Folks had their hands up and they couldn't put them down. Whoa. Folks walking around hugging John because he's screaming and hollering too. I mean, it was good. And it only happened because it was God. That was it. It wasn't because of John. It wasn't because of me. It's like I said this morning. We get out of the way and the Holy Spirit does what? He shows you. He witnessed. The Holy Spirit testifies of who? Of God, yeah. 
And he testified. And when he does that, we don't. We got. If you got the Holy Spirit, you're doing what? You're testifying. See, this is what James had to understand. Okay, I know y'all thinking now. How am I gonna choke myself falling out the airplane? I'm gonna do it. Look at verse 13. Now I ain't afraid. I just don't want to. I want. I don't want to happen. If I ain't got an airplane, my fear is over with. I just don't want to hit the ground. I just don't want to feel things. Just like I told y'all, if I fall and and I survive, y'all bet. If y'all don't check me for poison ivy, when I do get out of it, I'm gonna come look for you. You fall and you can't talk, and you done landed in a batch of poison ivy. Okay, yeah, fix my broken arm, fix my broken leg, fix my broken ribs. But I need somebody because eventually I'm going to start itching. And I ain't going to be able to tell nobody, so need to check. She's got, it, it's going to be in my living will to make sure you check for poison ivy. Miss Jones, his spleen is ruptured only, yeah, but did y'all check him for poison ivy? Where'd y'all find him? He landed over in those weeds, check him. Verse 13. We've had this conversation more than once. Even from eternity, I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. <laughs> I act, and who can reverse it? You see, that's what we need to be able to, as a disciple, you tell them about, you tell them what Jesus did, but you tell them, listen, you can't, you can't tell me, you can't take away nothing. You see, when he says, you can reverse it, that means can't nobody reverse it but him. And because he's so holy and so righteous and so just, he ain't going to reverse it. He saved you. He's going to keep you. Yeah, that's good. Tell him that. Now, look at this. So you have the power to understand redemption. You have the power to know what to tell others. And then look at verse 14. You have the power. You understand God's power to overcome. Now, this is where we get stuck. Because we think we get stuck in plights so much that God can't do anything. See, Jesus is trying to tell the disciples that you know what's going to happen. People are going to, he warned them. How many times did he warn them? People will persecute you. They will kill you. They will drag you out of the synagogue. But you know what you need to know? God has overcome that. He's even overcome me falling out the airplane. Look at verse 14. Thus says the Lord. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, now this key, you need to understand who he's describing himself as. The Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I have sent to Babylon, and I will bring them all down as fugitives. All the ones that are giving you a hard time, I'm going to treat them like dirt. Not that he's treating them like, but I'm going to take care of them. They're giving you a hard time now. They're picking on you now because you don't have hair or you do have hair or whatever's going on. Right? They're picking on you now because you are standing up and you don't want to you don't want to do all of the things that everybody else is doing. Understand what's going to happen. I'm the overcomer, not you. You're you're my disciple. You just keep plugging away. Let me overcome. Now look at verse. Look at look at look. Look at this. Verse 14. Even the Chaldeans, the Chaldeans into the ships in which they rejoice. Uh, oh, sorry, I turned too many pages. I am the Lord, your Holy One. 
the creator of Israel. This is verse 15. Your king. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. He overcomes the difficulties, y'all. He's telling the disciples. See, the di- a disciple truly understands that God overcomes these things. Look what he overcomes in verse uh, 17. Who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty men. They will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. This is what disciples understand. God will put your troubles out of your way. It's not for you to seek for it to happen. It's for you to just keep on mission and God will take care of what is. See, that's what we wonder why we get in trouble because we get off mission. God's like, if you do what I'm telling you to do, I'll handle the other junk that's going on and getting in your way. You just need to stay on course. It's about time for me to quit. My voice is gone. But you need to stay on course. Stay on course. I will take care of the rest of the junk. Don't sweat it. We packed up a bunch of stuff. We got about 12, 1,300 pounds of food back there boxed up. That was a bunch. It's heavy, ain't it, Christy? It's a bunch of you. Y'all know it. And everything we need is not there right now. But there's plenty there to give away, and we're going to go on up there. And you know what? I'm not going to change and say, well, we can't go we we ten bottles of ketchup short. <laughs> well, gas prices are two fifty a gallon. You can't. No, 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 no. Course is fifty nine north to Chattanooga. Hit twenty four. Connect up through Knoxville. Go up to seventy five to Knoxville. Head on up. Keep on going until we get to Kentucky with whatever we got. It'll be enough. Okay? It's kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi told Luke Skywalker when he had to sell his speeder. And he said, man, we don't get enough money for that. Obi-Wan took the money and said, don't worry, it'll be enough. He was trusting in the force. Okay, big deal. We trusted in God. I ain't worried about it. Okay? Now look at this. Look at this. We got to keep reading. Look at verse 18. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Don't worry about what used to go on. You're going forward. Forget about Egypt. You're going forward. Look at verse 19. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will glorify me the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I, am, I'm, I formed for myself will declare my praise. Woo! God's saying, you can be starving, you can be dying of thirst in the middle of the driest place of the earth, and I'll put a river in there. And you'll praise my name because of it. I triple dog dare Buddha to try to get unstuck and come do that. <laughs> triple dog day, hey, straight out of Christmas story, right? Broke complete protocol there, didn't I? But that's what God's saying. So this is what James needed to get. This is what you needed to get. A disciple understands the power of the Lord. And in that simple question, 
Lord, we want you to do something for us. <laughs> God saying, ah, no. I want you to do something for me. And not only do I want you to do it, I want, to, I want you to understand why you're doing it. Yeah? Man, that's beautiful. That's good. We'll stop right there. Verse 25 in uh, Isaiah. Yeah. Because, and I actually preached that sermon, I, even I am the one who wipes away your transgressions. Guess what? And guess what he says? I'm the one who wipes away your transgressions for my own sake. I did it just because of who I am. I ain't doing it. Hey, listen. Okay. I, even I, I'll beat you racing my Mustang just to prove that I'm a better driver than you. I ain't got to get nothing out of it. God is saying just to prove who I am, just to make sure you know I'm the, I'm the great physician. You know, hey, look, it's like a doctor. You know, at the point, doctors ain't in it for the money. They in it just to, guess what? I'm going to show you who I am just for my own sake. Let me show you how good it is. I'll fix that. I mean, that doctor that worked on Brother Charles's hip, he showed out. I'll show you how good I am. You'll be walking in a couple of weeks. Hey, the one that adjusted Brother Kent's leg. They got that thing tuned right, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll show you. I, even I. I'm the one who wipes away your transgressions. Just for my own sake, Christy, just to prove that I'm God and that the world knows I'm God. And that guess what you'll do as a disciple? It's for my own sake. You're going to tell others that he's my God. Ain't, won't you? See, you already do, I know. But you see what I'm saying? Kim, that's what'll happen, won't it? That's what'll happen. She'll crochet a hundred scars. Because I can. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm good at it. Hey, look, I'll smoke a barbecue. I'll smoke a butt and ribs. Guess what? Don't pay me for it. I'll do it because I know I can do it. And besides, if you pay me for it, if you don't like it, you can't complain. <laughs> I gave you $10 for that. You didn't give me nothing. All right. Any questions? No questions? Oh, I got to click, don't I?